right. Yes, yes, indeed, people. Back up in the spot, ladies and gentlemen, for 2020. It is your favorite podcast. Stakes is high. The Black Nerd Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Troy Hunter at Tall Black Guy, Han Yolo, all up in your areas. It is I, Terry Gant, Doc Midnight, or as they call me in darker places, Dread October. Darker places like some pirate island. You know what I mean? Man, like, shadow kind of. Absolutely. Right middle of Lake Michigan. Shadow Isle. Yeah, yeah. Thing. You got to have a special compass to get there. Okay. Yeah. Dread October. You got to say it with bass in your voice. You yeah, got to say yeah, it with your chest. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. You got to say it with your chest. Of course, live video yeah. stop because you guys are asking. Yeah. Some of you may be hearing this. Some of you may be watching this. We suspect not many of you are actually watching this because live video is giving us a problem. Yes. Actually, Troy's going to fix that. Actually, live video just shut off. Anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what's up. Um, anyway, but we can, we can, we can proceed. Um, but because it's the we first thing of 2020. Proceed. And continue. Continue. To rock the mic. Um, since this is the first, um, it's the first joint of the year. I'd like to hit y'all with some things that we are excited about for the new year. What we get lined up? What? We had it up there. All right. Okay, let's see how see how long that works. Okay. <laughs> hoping for the best here. Always hoping for the best. So things we are excited about in the whole scheme of things. Um I don't know if I'm excited, but big election. I don't know if I'm excited about it. Okay. I'm actually kinda not because of the alternative. Okay. And uh but hey But is it like but that's we're talking like, you know, November at that point. Yes. Okay. So, but but right now it's like straight up top of dome like you are ready to go and I, I remember this feeling yes like let's get it over with let's get it over with yeah um yeah uh that's gonna be a kind of pain yeah um but in terms of media because um fascism does not crush all of all creativity uh there are a number of things in all of the all of the the uh the modes that I enjoy and the written word and the spoken word and the instrumentations and all that. There's going to be some good stuff. I feel right. That's going to be going on. Um, I will probably say um, this is probably going to be a year. Grammys notwithstanding, of going to be some instruments. People, people are bringing instruments back. People are getting accolades for being instrumentalists. Instrumentalists. And working with a bunch of people. And so, for example, this Friday at CSO is going to be Micaiah McRaven, who is young jazz dude. Um, I saw him open for a uh, rap act I really like, and he completely blew me away. Right. I had to buy the album, bought the album directly from him. He's going to play at the CSO. Um, there's, a, there's a sister on harp. Okay. Um, he does drums and production. And it's just a lot. Of, it's a lot of good, good vibes. A lot so, of good so you're music. saying Makai McRaven is a jazz drummer? He is a jazz drummer and producer and producer. Okay. And so him and I think like six or seven other people, including a sister on a harp, are going to be in CSO on Friday and going to do a little thing. But like I say, but his last album was excellent. There's going to be a bunch of people. I think you are always going to have the boy bands. You are going to have the wannabe R&B vocalists. Yep kind of people but i think a lot of this year is going to be about instrumentals it's going to be about 
mu- music in its not bass form, but live music being made and bring it to the people and hopefully people know what to do with it. Right. Hopefully. Okay. I have three, maybe four things I'm excited about this upcoming year. Clearly, yeah, sure. Okay, throwing a fascist out of the White House, that is, yeah, I'm going to put that in the back of my head because yeah. that's the thing that I know should happen. It should happen. Right? And I'm down for the fight of like what it takes to make that happen. But like this, so far, this is like, you need a bunch of crooked-ass senators to vote the right way and remove a dude from office. And I just, I, I don't even want to talk about it. Right? But like, it's when, when it comes to November, I'm going to vote like, you know, two voters with a voting machine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's time to go. Right? Um, but outside of that, like, that's that's like, my the worldview is that, yeah. but like, I made a I made a plan at a New Year's. I don't usually do New Year's resolutions, mm-hmm. but this year, like I haven't done them for a while. This year, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do creative ones. Okay. And my first one was I'm gonna do a new art piece a month, one art piece a month. And some of you following me on Instagram or Twitter or even Facebook, like you you've seen some of the stuff I'm working on. And the reason I'm doing it, the, my it's not just do a piece a month. The piece of month that I'm doing has two purposes. It is to do my usual, like, splattery, abstract, like, you know, space background thing for all my pieces as something that I can put on my imprint site, right, once a month that in and of itself you can order a print of and just put that wherever you want to put that, right? Let's say okay. you're not a comics nerd or whatever. You just want something colorful and cool that, and, 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 and thought-provoking to put somewhere, then you have that piece, right? But when that piece is done... Then I drop something comic booking on top of it, mm-hmm. right? So my my January piece is the the subject is Hellboy, okay. and I usually start with like one of three different characters that work with a color scheme, mm-hmm. and then I narrow it down to one. So this month I started with um, either uh, uh, the original Starman, Hellboy, or Daredevil, and I narrowed it down to Hellboy. So I've worked out my Hellboy design, the the background effectively done. Like it's like. You know, within a day or so of being done, I put a few more touches on it today. Now, it did, now it's time to put Hellboy on it. So the idea is I do high-res photos of it um, as just the background. That gets uploaded, and then I drop whatever the subject is on top of that, do the rest of the work, and then that month's piece is done. And I go on to the next one. So currently it's a red, black, white theme. Okay. Next month I'm going with like a blue, uh, gold um, um, white theme or silver theme, mm-hmm. so I'll figure out characters that work with that. Yeah, right. Mostly, it's built on the paint I have available, yeah, right. and just work a thing out, right? Right, right, right. So that, I'm, I'm excited to be trying that. The other thing I'm going to do this this uh, this year is I told myself my challenge is to attempt to write ten to twelve songs in this year, so one a month. Which is the the the, the trick there is um, I can do this easily if I use five chords that I already know, right? It is more difficult if I'm going to do it with learning new chords and, and, and modes and things like that. And this is my, mm-hmm. my challenge to myself. Mm-hmm. Learn some new things. Right. Right? Apply so new things. Apply the new things. And then even if they're bad songs, at least I wrote them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is effectively still going to be like kind of a 12-bar blues kind of situation to start because I know how to do that. Yeah. Right? Then it becomes I can expand that to things that I also know how to do. Like I could write some three-chord rock. That ain't hard. Right? But... What I don't know that I can do is write things in five four, write things in you know like odd yeah, times. Imagine, I, I'm yeah. not there yet, so like I I will go there at some point. Okay, I will. This is this is my challenge to get better at power chords. As much metal as I like, um, I can only play power chords if I'm I, I can play them well if I'm doing like fifth chords. 
E5, D5, A5. These are easier for musicians that if you or peripheral musicians. You, you recognize it's relatively easy to do because it involves one finger and an open string, right? Like on, mm -hmm. on the A string, as opposed to barring with my index finger and then making other shapes with the rest of my fingers. That's, a, that's you know, not usually something I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy it, you know? So my challenge is to do more of that okay. so that um, I haven't figured out how I'm going to record this to, 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 if I even should, like somebody might say I should, like I have friends who would be like, do it. But then there's like the how, right? Because I am, I am technologically not technologically un, unsound in terms of how it is more about the what with right <laughs> try be coming to your house okay. with an amp and three guitars what? and being like you have a mac let's do this we got, we got a basement <laughs> you have a basement you got a basement we can put up those soundproof yeah eggshell carton so joints. so i've told myself this is this is the thing i'm gonna do right so for for january i've already worked on something that involves uh, a mixture of uh, a, a, uh, major chords and minor chords because there's some minors that I've, I'm, I'm expanding to. And so my, I like what I've been working on in January, right? Okay. Um, other thing I'm excited about. Spring officially begins on February 11th when pitchers and catchers <laughs> report. Every year we go through this, y'all. Chicago weather has been a royal biatch. And it ain't even been like we got 12, 14, 19 inches of snow on the ground. Right. Nothing. It has been like... A steady 35 degrees for three days. Yes. It's been 40 degrees a couple of days. It's been 50 degrees. Then suddenly it's 12 degrees for four days. Then it snows. Then it rains. Then it freezes. We had, it was one night about 10 days ago. We had one night 10 days ago where I came home to six inches of snow coming down in front of my house. And I told myself in the morning, I'll shovel it when it's done snowing. But overnight, at about 2 in the morning, that turned into rain instead of snow. And my 6 inches of snow became an inch and a half of snow that weighed the weight of 13 inches of snow. Right? I'm done with all that. Pictures and catches report, February 11th, I can shave my winter beard and give two middle fingers to the sky. Because everything will be right in the world. And I know Chicago's going to try to betray me. I yes. know it's going to try to betray me. Yeah. Don't worry, Ides of March. <laughs> I got you a month early. I'm watching you, you shady bastards. <laughs> and I have one more thing I'm excited about that Troy does not know about because it is a challenge to Troy. Oh shit! Yes, we still try to. Oh, the Facebook thing. <laughs> Facebook is saying oh, I quit. Okay, <laughs> Facebook was like, I'm done. This is an episode that will purely be audio. This is nothing but audio right now. Okay, thanks, thanks, I'm, Facebook. You're you're. Facebook awesome. gave us an error I've literally never seen before. <laughs> Wow. If there's any video for this, this episode, it will be in four parts. This, yeah. <laughs> well, this is part three. Stitched together. <laughs> if anything. Yeah, this is... We tried it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we keep trying it, but, you know, it is what it is. And this is the thing I like about the way we do our podcast is the production values are simple enough that we can just figure out we're going to do it today and just get it done. Like, we don't, we're not doing... There's no mixers. There's no... No. There's no producers there's no sitting over behind the screen. No, nah, no. Right. Nah. Nah, like we, we just don't have we don't have there's a list of dudes I know who produce various things. We don't have those dudes. No, not at all. Because I don't think they're trying our friends who could do this for us aren't trying to be out here on a Monday night. No, not really. And they ain't really trying to fuck with us on every other night to be doing this stuff for free. I right. bet. You know, well I mean, we know we you know get you dinner or something, but here's my challenge twenty twelve. Of 2020, rather. <laughs> I've probably been thinking about this since 2012. Yo. But in 2020, my challenge to Troy is we have to, four times this year, four times, so two each, get 
the other person to come to see live music that they have chosen. So twice I gotta come see a show that you are excited about and that you are going to, and we make a, we gonna make a we make a whole like day of it, whatever. We eat at the spot you want to eat at. We we kick it and see the bands you want to do, and we discuss it afterwards, right? We can even record it like little pocket recordings okay. and shit, right? Okay. Turn it into like a mini episode. Okay. And twice you gotta come to see a show that I'm excited about. Okay. Right? And we we make a day of the thing and we just do the damn thing. Okay. Like we don't normally do this, y'all. Like we we are like best friends. But our our interests are like worlds apart half the time, and so this year, twenty twenty, we don't get. We don't get all right, we I, do I think we can let's let's attempt four times, like like one season. Yeah, we can you do know, it. if we can pull this off, yeah. you know, because I think that like while this Friday I can't do it, I might actually dig the the Micaiah McCraven thing. Right, yeah. this Friday I couldn't do it, but like like you talked about this last time on the podcast, and I was mm-hmm. mad curious, right? But like there's some things you talk about where I'm like, you know, live I think I might actually be able to get with it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because it's different from the yeah. it's different from the album, yeah. you know, and because you're doing live music and you got that interplay with the crowd, yeah. and like bring you out for an encore, you play some new shit. The other reason some, I think that I, I want to do it this way is like in our group of friends, we've noticed that even getting together once a month as a group is hard, right? It's be, well, it used to be hard. Really? Now it's impossible, now it's right? Impossible. It's become impossible. So like once a quarter. Seems like that ought to be a thing that like one of us can pull off, right? Like, and I'm real picky about live music I want to see of stuff I even like. Yeah. A lot of times bands come through and I'm just like, oh, they're coming through. Nah. Nah. Or oh, they're coming through, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to go to that right? place particularly. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this in, in things in, in in the music bit, right? There's a band called Sons of Apollo that's coming, right? But like whenever the, every time Sons of Apollo is coming, they come in like two or three times. But when they come to Chicago, they play in St. Charles. And it's like you haven't hit Chicago then, right? You're not. In you're not playing Chicago. You're in Chicago land, nah, bro. You're, you're you're playing you're playing Northern Springfield. If you that's what you're doing. <laughs> you're not playing Chicago if you're in St. Charles. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's that uh, far out. It's not Chicago anymore. No, you know, it's just not. I can't call that Chicago. I gotta. You gotta get further in. You know what the shit. <laughs> and I really like. Okay, we'll keep it moving. All right, what's uh, next? Jesus Christ. That, that's that's what that's okay. my excited about. Okay, Zone. I'm, I'm I'm good with that. I'm, right. to, I'm totally totally good with that. Okay, cool. All right. Let's let's get in. This year, I'm going to actually make I'm make some stuff, but what is always I always make birthday resolutions. I'll make New Year's ones, and my birthday ones are always pretty much make things, share things, get some stuff out. Right. Um. That still that still remains. The thing is though is that what I don't want to do, which I want to stop doing, is I'm not going to keep Bigging up, bigging it up, and like, yo, I got some new shit's gonna come out, and it doesn't happen, and then everybody kind of feels bad. Like, sure, yeah, Troy said he's gonna do some shit, and that didn't happen. But uh, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna remind him of it because he's already depressed and shit. So we're gonna be good. So this year, I plan to, I plan to do more stuff and share more of it, get more of it out. Um, the gray days don't help. Thirty-five degrees is fine, but the gray days. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of kill me. So great days are kind of my jam. My, my my zone is shitty weather, but this is the one winter where I'm just about done. Like even I might need sunlight now, and this never happens. You know what? I think fucked it up for me. I last summer started painting in my backyard. Took my easel, took all my shit. Like I had a whole set, a whole outdoor studio. Like I, it was some like PBS type shit, right? I, I, I went nuts, right? Though I was so happy doing this, yeah. like I have a, I have a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say these words, and I'm not even joking. I have a world famous sculptor living next door to me, who was watching me paint from his window, 
I didn't know it. And then come like, you know, around Christmas, he was like, dude, I was watching good shit. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Tell me that again. Let me get back at this. Right, right, and right. now I'm like, holy shit, there's no sunlight. Right now I'm, in, now I'm angry about it. Right. You know? <laughs> the opportunity. <laughs> now I'm mad. I'm over this. I need I, I need to like start okay. seeing the universe like other people see it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the sun is awesome. <laughs> the sun's a killer. The sun's awesome. It's I love, murderous. I love sun. But sun leaves me at this time of, time of year and I am sad. Um Okay. So emo. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just solar. I'm just solar power. You, you, okay. I'm not emo. I'm solar power. Right. Okay. Um. Well, let's start off with <clears throat> things we like. Things we uh, like. Things we like. Um. For like for so for music, uh, the McPie McRaven. I really recommend. Um. The last two albums he did were excellent. Um. Give you a taste of kind of what he's trying to do, what he's doing. It's just I, I like. I always like in music someone who pulls together other creative people and they jam and do things and, and, and produce and create. I always, you know, I've talked about Mad Lib. I've talked about Anderson Pack. I've talked about these people who go out and get other people to work with just because they like their energy or because they like, you know, the kind of thing they're doing. Uh, Kamazi Washington, like all these people who are doing these great, great things that ultimately produces in some very free, very enlightening, very up-tempo, very introspective music. <clears throat> Jazz, soul, funk, um, electronic. And Makai McRaven, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this to this show uh, coming up. There is um, the rumor, not the rumor necessarily, but uh, D'Angelo's coming back, which is going to be great. We just did the 20-year anniversary. What? Ride my pony? No, D'Angelo. Oh, that's right, because you get them confused. Yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. <laughs> no one else in the world gets these two dudes confused. Except, except me. <laughs> okay. All right. D'Angelo did not do pony. Okay. All right. Um, that was the other guy. Yeah. Okay. The, who is not D'Angelo? Who is not? Okay. Me. All right. <laughs> who is not D'Angelo? But it's been 20 years since Voodoo, which was his second album. Um, so everybody got to like, damn, I remember that because I was in college and da 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 da. It was a good time, um, good good time. Uh, but D'Angelo's coming out with new music this year. That's the, that's the thought. That's the that's the premise. Uh, we have yet to really figure out what to do about uh, award shows because I don't, watch. I don't watch them either. But I understand they're a vehicle to bigger things for certain people. If you get an award. If you get an award, yes. If you're up for an award, sometimes yeah. you get, you know. But in cases where we know, especially where the head of the Grammys got fired and let it, let you know, let the chopper sing about how <laughs> there was uh, payola and sexual harassment and all this other stuff at the Recording Industry of America, uh, Record, Record Industry Association of America, sure. then... You, we really have to figure out something, in my opinion, somewhere for great, you know, for talent and, and that kind of thing to be recognized on an award stage. But because the Grammys have that cachet and because they have that kind of backing, that's not it. Um, 
last night, Tyler, the creator, won for best rap album. Don't worry about it. The thing was, the album he got an award for... Was something he did two years ago. A, and he appears on two songs. Oh. Wait a minute. Is this my time where I can say the thing I love to say? No. That it, no? No. Does it, because he made... It was his album. It was an actual album. It was an actual album. Okay. All right. He actually raps on two of the songs, but he produces it, but he's actually on two of them. But he wins okay. the best rap album, which is weird, but whatever. And yes, it was two years ago. <laughs> but the, the whole timing of this Grammys thing, because uh, Country Road won again, and I don't know how many years in a row you can win best song. Like it's kind of hard to do, right? Like some a year is only three hundred sixty-five days. Sometimes three hundred sixty-six. But like this isn't like this is the year that could happen. But had he done it four years ago and pulled this off, I'd be like, well. <laughs> But now, but now, this is off. This is this is, this is not, this is slightly off. So, I would like him, but we, you know, we've talked about this. Like, what can an artist do to appeal? You know, it's it's one thing to sell, right? But it's nothing musical integrity and right. like everybody. You know, your favorite band likes your favorite band. Like, right. you know, there are people who don't sell a ton of records, but who people who do sell a ton of records says. I love this person. I love this music. I love this this genre. I love this band. And where is that going right. forward? If right. we're not getting it from the Grammys, people laugh at the BET Awards. Well, hell, I laugh at the BET Awards. Well, because uh, BET. Because BET. There's also the Soul Train Music Awards. Okay. Um, I'm out. But all of these don't have the cachet of the Grammys. Right. Even though they may not be as crooked or as self-serving. Or maybe they are. We just don't know because nobody aired them out yet. I can't gauge something as being as crooked or not as crooked until somebody tells me how crooked it is. I assume they're all crooked. It's an award show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if if we the people don't get to vote on the award, I I assume it's all crooked. That's valid. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally valid. It's just... What do you do to recognize greatness? I don't know, man. The world of music has been crooked as fuck since Star Search. I'll go back there. There. If Ed McMahon ain't telling me something gets three and three quarter stars, I don't trust it. Don't want to hear it. I'm good. Ever since Jethro Tull beat Metallica for best metal album, I don't trust no award show. Not nan one. All of them. Get the grace of the tomato. Fuck every one of them. All of them. All of them. I'm mad for people who ain't even up for awards yet. Still, I'm not letting it go. Never forget, America, never forget, Jethro Tull beat Metallica for best metal album in a year in which Metallica was actually still making metal. Once that happened, dude, that was the Just For All album, bro. Once that happened, all best was off. Award show's mad shady. Can't trust nan one, nan one of them. Industry rule number 4,080. Record company people are shady. Especially when it comes to award shows. Here's why I don't fuck with. Okay. I'm just saying there's there's a need to, I I want a need to acknowledge greatness in in music. But award shows all we have and they're crooked. Hmm. Is there another way to recognize greatness in music? Like publicly, like publicly, like on the internet. Damn it, like 
Yeah, because record sales, it can't be record sales. Right. Because that's also shady. Those are easily, easily gained. Yeah. It can't be it can't be like 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 dollars earned because Lord knows that makes half the time you see people carrying money, it's borrowing money, right? And if it was about that, then like Miles Davis would be the like you you couldn't touch like Miles Davis and Jimi Hendrix for for like actual value because they have the best shit that's ever been made, but did not make the most money that's ever been made. Right. right? So you can't have that. There has to be someone, which to me it's personal, right? If yeah. I can turn one person on to something they didn't know about, right? And then have them come back to me later and try to turn me on to that thing, yeah. I did my job, right? Okay. I had a nephew once tell me how great Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden was. And halfway through the conversation, he said, wait, you're the one that told me about Iron Maiden. And I was like, yes, done my job, right? Perfect, perfect. Right, generational generational longevity works because I don't I know that now it's like somebody's great and they're amazing and they're the best. They got one album, two albums, like right. But like, it's De La Soul said it. There's the 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 band that is the the namesake of our podcast. They said like the top of the game dudes are the ones who've been doing it throughout their career. Right? It's not. It can't be about the ones that are here now at the top. Right? It's got to be about the ones who legit made moves and 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 made impact, musical impact that other people are feeling and that they're riding on throughout their career. KRS once said on the show I was watching, he was like, they were talking about the dudes who was like top of the game or whatever. And he was like, for the rules about being at the top of the game, there's various rules. But one of the other things he said was, if you didn't put anybody on, how can you possibly be at the top of the game? Which is to say, if you didn't create it, if you didn't push another generation of cats after you, that somebody like you could fade in the background and somebody you 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 found, you push them, right? How can you call yourself top? Like top of the game is is generational, right? So how to recognize greatness has to be a matter of we can all individually recognize talent, but we think we can, right? But like if award shows are crooked and they are, and money can't be it shouldn't be tracked because it's also deceptive, mm-hmm. then it has to be a personal thing, right? That becomes generational, right? So so you, you create a, a, a wide path of what you've touched and who you've affected by your music, right? Like, if you're gone, what is the hole that's left? Right. And while you're here, what is the creation we're all feeling? And there's no real way to quantify it because that's like saying, like, creatively, how do I, how do I even define creativity? How do I know you're not even being a great? How do I, what's the difference between an artist and a dabbler? What's the difference between... Like a writer and a poet. What's the difference between, uh, 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 like, um, I don't know, like a, a scribbler and a, a, a top graph artist? Like, it's hard to say, but you know it when you see it. It's pornography. I can't describe it to you, sir, but I know it when I see it. Like, it is, it's that thing, you know? Award shows are what they tell us we have. Yeah. And I think that's part of the trap, right? The yeah. industry themselves tell us we got to pay attention to the Grammys, which are about ratings and selling this shit. Run away from award shows is all Uncle Dread October's trying to tell you. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. Admiral Agbar said that shit in 1977. Should have been listening. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. But I feel your pain, Troy. I'm just saying, like, I, but as a music, I'm as someone to who listens, tweet for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's a podcast. Link. <laughs> as we get more music, and as the music, as you, you, you have more access to more stuff, you have access to stuff that you didn't have access to 20 years ago. Um, 
your friends may be listening to the same stuff you were, but every now and again, to your point, you have somebody who listens to something else and says, let me put y'all up on game. Right. And then you all listen to that, and then you may be able to branch out and, oh, but they like so-and-so, let me listen to them. The, I think because I'm seeing a lot of people who aren't, who don't have that commercial success, who don't have that following, who are still doing great music that may or may not last the test of time. The thing is, is that how many people can you get to, how many people can you get to absorb your music and pass it down to another generation? Right. Um, there may be some people you listen to now who aren't, gonna, you know, who you may love, who no one else in a new generation will. But you, your job, your kind of, you know, your job, your 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 role is to push that on somebody else. Yo, you need to listen to this. This is nice. This is this is if you like this, 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 you'll love this. This is like a good way to be an influencer too. Is like you, we're always telling somebody we like a thing, and we've we're getting into a thing, or we've like we've discovered a thing. Hey, but we're and we're kind of saying check this thing out, right? Right. There's there's not really the best way personally to measure whether or not that actually works. But I will tell you that for some friends that I have, when they say like, hey, um, I'm listening to this thing right now, it is I am more likely to click and find out what that thing is Mm -hmm. than if they tell me, oh, my God, you should listen to this thing. Right. I'm I'm more likely to want to know what is what musical thing is going through your head right now. Like you saying, I'm listening. This is what I'm vibing on right now, like to do whatever I'm doing. Because yeah, yeah. I'm just listening to music while I'm doing something. Yeah, right? Right, right, right. I'm going to work or I'm painting or whatever, right? Or I'm just at the store working. But like, I'm more likely to want to know what it is, what makes you listen to that thing you're listening to right now. If you say to me, this is perfect for you, for you. If you say that to me, yeah, I'm likely to say, no, it isn't, because I'm that contrarian dude. Yeah, right. I literally can't do it if you tell me it's for me. Like it won't. That will never work. You can never come to me and say, I have found a band you're going to love. Like, I know you think that, and I believe you're honest and genuine in your feelings. But now I can't listen to it because now you think you know me, right? It's like, Edge, from this day, I see clearly. That means nothing to you. Okay. Um, Anyway, um, it's like that, right? (laughs) And I can't do that. It was an Edge reference. It's straws. You're grasping at it. I feel it. You're like, Pro wrestler. It's, it's like straws. Serious. You're grabbing at it. He was I'm in like, the Royal Rumble last I'm, night. It was I'm, an amazing moment. Of course, okay. <laughs> he looked like a haggard homeless person, but he was in the Royal Rumble. It was amazing. His theme song's fantastic. You should listen to it, Troy. You'll love it. <laughs> oh, you, think I lo- you think you know me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. But I think that's how I do it. Like, like people, I know people like in my, my, my Twitter feed, like, who will post, you know, this is the thing that they're listening to right now, and I'll actually click the YouTube link because I'll be like, oh, what is that? And I'll learn a new thing. I don't know if I'm going to keep listening to it, yeah. but it's like, oh, shit. All right. I actually kind of like that. I would have never gotten there otherwise. Yeah, right? I just wouldn't have done it. You know? It couldn't have been a thing for me. That's kind of my weird contrarian bullshit, but, like, it, my whole life I've been that way. When your mom comes home and says, oh, you like this hippity-hoppity, you, you're gonna love this, and the next thing you know, Father MC is like a CD sitting in your like collection, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> okay, ma, I'll, I'll play it when you're paying attention. Yo, the first song <laughs> my it. mother loved, okay, was off NWA's mm-hmm. Straight Outta Compton album. It's called "I Ain't the One." Okay, it's all Ice Cube talking about 
scandalous women yes. taking your money. Yeah. They played the clean version <laughs> on this radio station I was listening to. And my mother loves that song. Right. It is amazing to me. I ain't the one. The one who get played like a pooba. See, I'm from the streets. <laughs> so you know what's up on these silly games that's played by the women. Because, yo, I can see the devil in it. And my mom's like, mm-hmm. These women out here, that's how these hot-ass girls won't take your money, have a baby. Little flash, and like, these oh, fast-ass girls out here. Yo. And my mother, <laughs> they played the clean version, and my mother loves that song. And I don't have the heart to tell her who, who did it, <laughs> what the album was, what the not-clean version is. Yeah. My mother didn't have that filter. I discovered one day when I was at work, and I was leaving work to go hang out at her house, after work and just kick it for a little bit and then go home. And she was picking me up. It was where I worked, I worked like on Jackson. And you know where my mom worked, yeah, right? Yeah. So like she would scoop me up on like Columbus, right? I would just wait at like Jackson, Columbus, she'd pick me up there. And I get in the car. And every time I get in the car, she's playing it. GCI or some shit, right? Yeah. And I had never heard this song before. And it was it was R. Kelly's Feeling on Your Booty. And I don't know if that's Feeling. the name of the song. But is it really the name of the song? But I'm, I'm sitting there and we just going past Soldier Field. And all I'm thinking is, is that man really saying Feeling on Your Booty? And my mom is like snapping, right? <laughs> and uh, I was like, what in the shit? What is happening right now? I, told her, I was like, Ma, is he really saying feeling on your booty? And my mom froze for a moment. She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was trapped. She was caught in it. <laughs> she couldn't do anything about it. She was stuck. <laughs> they got her, you know? And I was like, in that moment, uh, the world of R&B forever changed. We, there's no going back. That was the you can't turn back moment. You know? That was it. The, you, we cannot turn back now. That dude, had he was he was harmonizing your booty. He, the, there was vibrato in it. Yeah, you right, know? Yes. He was going up and down the scales with your booty. And I was like, that dude, you can't trust that man. Right? Little did we know. Oh, we knew. Well, <laughs> no matter how much I might have known. Okay. You know. But pretty much, yeah. pretty much I, every friend I have who lived in Kenwood knows. Right. When I lived just outside of Hyde Park. You know, and I didn't go to Kenwood. I went to CBS. That's an actual story. All my, yeah, all my Kenwood people know exactly. All right, what we got next? Um, things we like? More things we like. Uh, music, video oh, games. Video games, all right. Oh, all right. I'm playing this joint. This, this joint is going to be short, y'all. Yeah. Because I only play one game, and you know it. And you know what game that is. But this game is kind of like it. Not really. Um, it's called Horizon Zero Dawn. It came out like two or three years ago. It's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And in this, it's a thousand years in the future. Mankind isn't wiped out, but we've all been reduced back to spears and bows and shit. But, and we, there are little animals, like little like rabbits and squirrels and shit running around. But for the most part, the world is inhabited by machined animals. Okay. So you basically have an animal. You have a machine. These are all machines. They're all made of... You're looting, like, metallic parts from them. And these things are, they, they can actually be huge. It's like kind of Shadow of Colossus type thing where yeah. you're basically shooting parts off of these machines to weaken them. Okay. And it has kind of an RPG kind of thing. You're exploring. Can you, so my question, can you make your own character? No. Are you forced to play their character? You're, you have a player. Uh, game is dead to me. The... So the character you're playing um, has no mother and is raised in a matriarchal society where, because she has no mother, 
uh, everyone looks down upon her and that kind of thing. So you you feel in that kind of social outcast kind of thing from from jump. And then stakes get higher when um, assassins show up to kill it. So that's a thing. Um, but like I say, you're just you're dealing with bows and, and robot dinosaurs kick. and other monsters and things. Yes. But you're forced to play their character. Yes. But it, it's it's kind of like the first person, kind of like a, like a Halo or something like that. It's third person. Third person. It's third person. Um, Can you make it first person? Do I have to no. watch my character do the shit? You have to watch your character. Oh, this game. It's very fun. I just found it. Um, it's got it got a ton of awards. The year it came out. It's from like um, a couple years ago. It seems like, right? it's a couple years. Yeah, I've, I've um, heard of this game and I've seen the commercials for it. And I think my, my video game rules have become I don't want to be shoehorned into playing your guy. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but the other problem with that is I also don't want to see my guy, right? I, I, I really don't. I think for, for the aspect ratio of my head to the screen, I don't want to watch a little dude do a thing and make a little dude. I, I guess I just don't want to do that. Like if it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance or something like that, right. I can watch a superhero do it because it's comic book and I want to see that guy. Yeah, yeah. But if it's got to be like some some caveman with a ray gun or something like that or whatever, I don't I don't want to I, I want to change that so I don't have to see it. Yeah, okay. And I want to customize my dude or whatever to the person I want it to be, for the person I choose and want to be at that point. You know, whenever I start a game over, if you just make me play the main character, then I feel like I'm being shoehorned. Yeah. And this is 2020 now. But then, but there's a story behind it and all yeah, that kind of thing. It. So you have to, you know, if you were able to create a character, yeah. but that character had the same sad backstory as the character sure. they wrote. Yeah, then I want somebody to write a mod. So I can have live another life, so that I wouldn't have to have the same backstory. I have a different sad backstory where I start in a different starting area. Maybe like I don't know, like I could start in a cave, but maybe I could start in I don't know, like just in some vampire lair, or maybe I could start just outside of Rifton, or maybe I could start I don't know, like in a temple just outside of Solitude. Like make a game where I can do that. I think I played the fuck out of that game for like I don't know, ten years or something. Until that game shows. Until that game exists. I got a game void in my life. I got you. I got you. Um, this game actually does sound funny. Your robot dinosaurs. Robot right. is robot. Is, it's every animal composite. Like So there's like a, a, a meerkat kind of thing. Like it searches the area. And if it sees you, it alerts everybody else. Oh, shit. Okay. And then they all come jump you. Okay. It's kind of problematic. Um, there are um, horses, like a kind of horse analog, up to the point where it's like rhinos, um, these big gopher kind of things, which are actually about twenty times bigger than you. Yeah. And so you're fight, you know, you're shooting ping, 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 and they dive underground, and then they pop up wherever the hell they pop up. Like, okay. It's really like, oh, okay. So there are like thirty. A point might be animals. made if there's like a, if there's a if there's a trimmers component. I think I might be in. Okay. There's okay. A kind of, there's kind of a trimmers okay. component. Um, and there's like thirty um, animal analogs, but like. Every animal has a every mechanical animal 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 <laughs> has a real world analog. Sure, and they because I think the the thing for the gophers is like Megatherium or something like that. Something that animals called yeah. So you know, I've, and I've, I've they call these things like the, the, they've nicknamed them like yeah. sawtooth, like because yeah. there's it's a saber tooth tiger, but it has a saw. Oh, all right. <laughs> and so when it jumps at you, apparently the saw pops out and whatnot. It's pretty like okay. okay, and they redid all the sounds. Where what system are you playing it on? This is it's a PlayStation Four exclusive. Okay, 
So it's only PlayStation 4. When I bring my guitar to your house, we get to play the game. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm playing that. Um, we've taken some time off of Borderlands. Also, in the baseball realm, since I got sucked into MLB The Show 19, and I created myself as a uh, speedy center fielder. Look at that. A game where you can create your own character. Ah, imagine. Hmm. Yeah. But, and then I got traded from Texas to Houston. And they said, oh, you're going to be hurt for 10 days. And then they simmed everything for like the next three months. And then I didn't get to play in the World Series. What? Yeah. No bad. <laughs> but since I've developed, since I'm, I've spent a lot of time doing this, <laughs> and because you can bring it over to MLB The Show 20, Coming in March, I believe. Also a PlayStation game. Also a PlayStation sure. exclusive. Yeah. But I get to do the thing. I got, you know, I was, I was, you know, I'm, you know, I got speed, I got base stealing ability, patrolling center field, doing my thing, and they call my name. Like they don't, whatever, you know, just the, you know, there are no hunters in the in the league. So um, yeah, there are no hunters. Tori's son isn't playing yet. There's no hunter. There's no hunter in the league. Um, so. Um, call me Scooter. Is what it is. Okay. All right. Is what it is. So it's a I'm good sure time. it's a sign of respect. It's a good time. It's a very good time. But because because you, your your pitchers and catchers and all that kind of thing. February eleventh. That brought to mind in March it's going to be MLB the Show twenty. So I'm gonna cop okay. that and play that some more, and maybe lead the White Sox to a promised land. Who knows? Okay. Um, since we're on video games, I'm going to talk about a game that is not a video game. Oh. It's a tabletop RPG kind of thing. Oh. That I played recently and I fucking loved it. Right? And I'm a, I'm a big Dungeons & Dragons player. I'm a, uh, I love RPGs more than I like video games. I'm more tabletop related. I want to sit in a room full of people playing games more than I want to just stare at a screen pushing buttons. So RPGs have been my shit since like, like 1982, 83, right? So um, recently I had a, a, a chance to play... Because my friend Sarah um, introduced me to this. Um, she posted it to uh, like our one of our Discord channels or something. And it was, it's a game called Stupa, right? And the idea is, the, the, the conceit here is you are already a group of retired adventurers, right? You've done your adventuring. You are done now. Okay. You're retiring. You are going to go chill. And you ain't doing this retiring life no more. The, 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 the thing, though, that you're doing is you and your party are not going to run a tavern slash bar slash inn. This is your goal. This is what you're doing. You, okay. You've started becoming innkeepers instead of adventurers, but you have a set of skills from your adventuring life, mm -hmm. right? And what you, the object here is things are going to be happening in town that are going to require your skills from your adventuring life. You have to convert those skills into skills for living in town life, right? Okay. And I, I found this game to be cool as shit. So essentially you start out with like, What's your character? And you just kind of go with, like, this is my retired dude. And it doesn't matter whether you're a dwarf ranger, whether you're a necromancer who's an elf. None of that makes a difference. It doesn't matter what level you are. None of that. Because it's not based on D&D &D or anything. You just okay. kind of imagine an adventurer that you would play that you're going to now have go run a restaurant or a bar or an inn or whatever, hmm. right? And then you as the players have to now, in playing the game, there's, there's a few things that must happen. The game is essentially a collection of 13 different mini-games, right? Good. And every round, you choose a different mini-game to play. Every mini-game you pick, there's a certain set of rules for them, and you, uh, in playing the games, you determine what happens next in the game or what happens that round, right? Right. Using the skills that you have as an adventurer, building on the skills that you're going to build to be a talent, right? Right. The trick here is, 
sometimes there's a game that must be played, right? To start the game off, you have to play a certain kind of game to even determine what kind of bar you were in the tavern you have, right? Mm-hmm. Every three games, you have to take a cigarette break, which is everybody has to get up from the fucking table and go stretch your legs, go get a drink, whatever, they'll take a bathroom break, whatever. Sometimes somebody can call like a break where we just need a break and you just take a break for that game, okay. right? Um, you can determine randomly what the other 13, when you play the other 13 games, you can pick them as a group, right? The narration of said games, I think, changes from round to round to round, okay. which is also cool. It's basically one of these games where, as a narrativist player myself, there's it's one of these games where there is no set dungeon master. There are no people designated just to be players, and that's all you can do is play. You have the ability to everyone involve themselves in the story, and it's still the, it's still the feeling of a fantasy role-playing game. Right, I like it so much that I'm gonna try to incorporate it into one of my two monthly games. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to incorporate the game Stewpot specifically because we're still gonna play D and D in my case. Mm-hmm. I'm going to set the players up as retired adventurers, mm-hmm. where the adventurers come to the tavern they're running, right, and experience will be given out for like either growing the tavern, developing skills for dealing with the people in town, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I think this is different than traveling around and invading dungeons and vampire castles and all that kind of shit. It's, I liked it a lot. And um, I looked it up. It is 15. It's a downloadable game. Oh, so it's, okay. it's, it's uh, $15 or whatever you choose to pay. Um, it is noroadhome.itch.io is what it, the website is. But if you Google Stewpot RPG, you get the game. Um, I emailed this to myself in no mobile. It's a little harder to like even find like kind of the, the author's name, <laughs> um, but I know it's. I saw it when I, in, when I looked at the website in general, but I liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I'd play it again. <laughs> uh, Stewpot Tales from a Fantasy Tavern, right? And I just it should take about three hours to play, maybe less. Honestly, um, the only things you need you need dice uh, because sometimes with dice are involved and a deck of cards. Deck of playing cards. Everybody's got a deck of playing cards. Okay. Right? And I think largely, really, any number of people can play. I bet like, I bet six people can play easily. Right? Um, when we played it, um, I played kind of an uh, allegory for one of my old D&D characters. I played an elf ranger druid who was retiring, who was really into insects. Right? <laughs> um, like, insects are his jam. Right? Uh, and Sarah played a, like a, like a, I think, I think Sarah played like a wizard who was like a, a retiring wizard of like maybe maybe like a necromancer or something, and and another guy was playing DJ. He was playing like a essentially he had determined he hadn't done a game like this before, and I think this speaks to the versatility of the game. He played a he had just watched the Last Dragon that day. Okay. He decided to play Shownuff as a D and D character. If you can envision Shownuff as a fantasy character, so he basically he's playing a monk with who is who has left his his. Kung Fu school, right. has wandered the world a little bit, has settled in this town, decided to go into business with my character and the other character, right? And everything in this dude's backstory related to the movie The Last Dragon. And no, there's no wrong answers, right? You just kind of write down the things you need to write down for your adventuring shit, and you're building towards, like, townspeople shit. And I thought it was fucking brilliant. If, if, if this dude, who, as far as I know, only reads some, he reads old comics and plays Magic the Gathering, this dude could watch The Last Dragon come up with a compelling character, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tabletop RPG that somebody downloaded, the game's doing something right, okay. right? Okay. And this is kind of my jam. So I, I really liked it a lot, uh, enough 
that I think it's, it's the next phase for one of my regular groups. Okay. okay. I'm going to try to incorporate this thing, and I, I, I think they'll like it, you know. It's because it's a total change of pace from anything I've done in the last that, like, that 30 years of gaming. Yeah, that's, you know? that's definitely change. Yeah, you open, you now run the Drake. Now you got to keep the vampires out. And you know, like, you know but, what I'm saying? You know, but you just so happen to be, have been a warlock back in the day. Absolutely. <laughs> you still have those skills. You still have those skills. But while you're trying to build business, right? You're trying to build it to the Drake, right? But you got to start out the grafting, you know? Or like, you know, you got hot dogs. You started hot dogs, right? You, you started hot dogs. But you, you know, you're trying to make a prairie moon into my heart, you know? <laughs> it's just you're trying to do, you know? I like this. I, I thought it was a fantastic idea. I like it a lot. Um, and I think this is the this is this is a thing I totally want to do. I'm into it. Except you got comics. Um, thing is, is that after we did the last comic joint, I read yeah. those. I read some of those joints. You know, shout out to Assassination Nation. Shout out to Naomi. Right. Um, I have not paid attention. This is why you have me. <laughs> Which is why you exist. <laughs> I had a stack of things for comics, y'all. Um, and I still recommend, I think that Troy's right. If you can find Naomi uh, by Brian Michael Bendis, and you can find Assassination Nation by Kyle Starks and Erica Henderson, um, do that. I They were two of my favorite things of the last year, right? But I will also say that I have here, in my grubby little hands, I had a larger stack, but I'm going to save some of that. Well, I'll put some of that in, like, I recommend you read this thing, bro. We'll talk about these. Drifting Dragons. Um, in my shop... I'm recreating a manga section. I'm kind of going with like a a new thing where I'm I'm gonna curate the shit out of it to make it like 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 small sample size, but things I really believe in, not like things that my distributor is telling me is gonna be hot shit, but more like these are things that my expert panel and myself think are dope, and you ought to go with. Drifting Dragons is uh, the story is a, the the casitas or the elevator pitch is more like. Uh, if you read Delicious in Dungeon, or you heard me talk about Delicious in Dungeon, it is um, a world in which dragons are a problem. They're incredibly well rendered and beautiful, but they're a problem. And they must, when you're fighting them, you're going to fight them. But at some point, after you fight them, you're also going to have to eat them. So, in the in the eating them part of it, which is really what's important here, there are recipes and things that involve the the, the, the things that can be made. Smoked dragon salo on rye bread. Because sometimes, well, let me see, does that work? I don't know if that really works, but, you mm. know, kind of, sort of, more or less, right? Right? And I think that, like, to me, a manga that doesn't just get you great art and great story, but also gets you the value added, that's always something you ought to really go with. And the value added of Dragon Tail Sandwich, which honestly looks like a ribeye steak, but, you know, that is, you know, oh, it's right there, it's on that side, whatever. Actually, both pages are fucking beautiful, so, you know, go with that shit. Um, I think get into this because, like, I don't recommend a lot of manga, um, and I, I probably should recommend more, but all the manga that I tend to think I want to recommend are things that were done lots of years ago, not necessarily new things. Yeah. Things that I discovered that are recent, I want to, like, promote the shit out of that. Yeah. Dragons versus humans, and these humans, they need to use these resources. These dragons got to get at, and they got to cook, get cooked up nice and delicious-like, and... Like Delicious in Dungeon, I can support the shit out of that. Um, the other book, the next book I have is Green Lantern Legacy by Min Lei. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that part right. Um, it is about a kid who discovers in a pile of his grandmother's belongings her Green Lantern ring. 
right? And this is a thing that, like, DC is doing a whole lot of really interesting uh, young adult graphic novels about characters that you're familiar with, but doing completely different twists on them. And long-time comic fans always get wrapped up in how many Green Lanterns there are on Earth, and I, I kind of feel like for an organization with 3,600 members, it doesn't matter how many there are on Earth. We never think about how many there have been on Earth. So this kid's grandmother has been a Green Lantern, and she just kind of had a ring in a box. And my man finds it here, and the design of the book, the story is, like, touching and cool. Like, like John Stewart appears in it. Like, it is characters that are familiar. It is a new way to tell the Green Lantern story. It reminds me a lot of when Jaime Reyes became Blue Beetle, right? Or, or honestly, kind of when Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern, but maybe even more contemporary than that because it's not really done to be house style biff bang pal kind of like like superhero shit like it isn't directly coming out of the collapse of one superhero and therefore the growth of the next it is a guy who has no a kid who has no connection to excuse me anything else involving superheroes he just becomes a green lantern in a vacuum and i think that's kind of cool because that doesn't normally happen usually the guardians come to you like hey right Troy, we pick you your turn bro let's go Come solve a crime for us. And you're like, what the fuck, man? I'm a computer programmer helper out guy. You know? And they're like, yeah, well, somebody hit Hal Jordan in the head. They hit Alan Scott with a piece of wood. Guy Garden is useless. And John Stewart's not answering our calls. So it's your turn. Right? This guy puts a ring on and it's like, hey, what is this all about? And his grandma's like, oh, you found my ring. It's going to be great. You're going to have some adventures. Right? Come on now. You got to go with that. Um, I also recommend Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Uh, by Daniel Warren Johnson, um, and the it's a DC Black Label book, and, and Black Label has, to me, they have some really good, they have some good content, and they have a lot of like content for like edge lords, right? But like I'm not really so much into that stuff, but this I'm all over, and it, Daniel Warren Johnson does fantastic illustrations. He comes from that like Paul Pope style of doing things, like where there's he knows what to do with a brush, he knows how to do motion, he knows how to like like really convey emotion and story and things with a, with a brush and, and with a pen. It's, it's like, I was looking at this today, and what I realized I really like about it was, if you talk to Daniel Warren Johnson, I bet if you bring up Katsuhiro Otomo, the guy who wrote and drew Akira, I bet he could talk for hours about this dude because the things I see in this book that I saw in Akira, um, my only ever complaint about Daniel Warren Johnson's art or his work in general ever, is I wish nobody would color it. I really, I'm glad that the colorist got paid to do a job, but I wish his work would just be presented in black and white. I own some of his his, his, his commission pieces, custom pieces, in just black and white, and they're some of the coolest damn things I've ever had an artist do for me, right? And I think black and white, it is, the, the man has a, an understanding of values and, and drama that get done in black and white that I don't see a lot of other people having. And the idea with Wonder Woman Dead Earth is, essentially, it's kind of like Commandy, like Jack Kirby's Commandy story. It is Wonder Woman in stasis, uh, in, in the, put in stasis in some time in the past, and then she wakes up in the future, right? Uh, and the world is all like completely nuclear bombed out. It's all fucked up. Apparently she was supposed to wake up earlier to prevent something like this from happening, but she didn't. She woke up too late, right? And it's already, it's too late, the world is just jacked. It is, a combination of command, the Planet of the Apes, like what do you pick, any post-apocalyptic thing you're familiar with. Imagine Wonder Woman waking up into that world, hmm. and when, the, the, when she meets these characters who, who accidentally discover where she's uh, uh, kind of entombed, right? 
she's she's in the Batcave, right? Like straight up, like in a in a, in a like a, a a stasis pot in the Batcave, and she wakes up and she's looking around and she's like, "Oh shit, I know, I think I know where I am." She goes, "Bruce," she turns around and Bruce Batman's fucking like skeletal body is on a, like on a, on, a, on a couch, like costume all torn up, just his bones there, right? We're that far gone where Batman ain't coming to help you. Like Batman's already dead. It's just you. Just you, and it's, so it's her versus like inhuman monsters and like fucking you know like 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 leopard people and precocious children because you gotta have those whatever. You like, have those. Book is good. This is book one. It's probably book one of three. I'd be willing to bet. Um, those are the things that I think you should just run out and grab. Go uh, to a comic shop. Specifically, if you if you need one, you could try to come to Third Coast Comics at sixty four forty three North Sheridan Road in Chicago, Illinois six zero six two six. Uh, well, we have Drifting Dragons, Greenland and Legacy, and Wonder Woman Dead Earth. But if you cannot get to my comic shop, and you can't wait in a couple of days until you can, then go to any comic shop and get those books. That's what I would say to Like, there. Boom. Do that. Do that. Do that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, well, this is kind of comics-y. Yeah. Movies. Yep. Do we need a Black Widow movie? I think we need a Black Widow movie. I think we just needed it six years ago, right? I think that absolutely, yes, we need it. And, and there's things that I see, that there's characters I recognize in the trailer that tell me this is, the, this is a story that absolutely needs to happen. I just am a little pissed that they've decided to give us this movie kind of as an afterthought. Yeah. This movie's a lead-in, it feels like, into yeah. our phase four of the MCU. And I also believe we're going to end up with Black Widow not dead any damn way, Right? I think this is going to be a thing that's going to happen. We're going to get Black Widow back. I suspect we're going to get her back anyway. My trouble that I have here is this movie literally just should have happened after Winter Soldier. Right? There's no reason to have waited all this time to get this movie out. The only reason I think we waited is they had no damn intention whatsoever of ever giving Black Widow a movie. Right. Right? And then they decided to get Black Widow a movie during the uh, Infinity situation. Right? Like, towards the end of it. Yeah. Right? And... Depending on how that went, this movie would have never come out. Right? This movie would have never happened. If this movie could have been finished and posted and everything, it could have been wrapped before we got before we got the the the, the end game. Before end game. we got the if it was done, we'd have had this movie before end game, after Infinity War, it could have walked the hell away. Right? I really believe that. So had we get this had it been done, done, and done, this movie could have come out January of last year, and we just wouldn't even have to be talking about it. Right, but it didn't come out January last year. Right, it's it's the thing that we were working on that we've invested in. And we can't shelve it now. It's got to come out. But this movie has both Black Widows, both of them. Right, it's got the Soviet super soldiers, it's got the Red Guardian, it's got Taskmaster. For for a Bronze Age comic fan like me, this is the movie I wanted. This movie's minimum six years ago. Right. <laughs> But you didn't get it. Six years. I did not get it six years ago because Marvel was still on their bu- their usual bullshit of they honestly don't believe in characters who happen to be female. They just don't. They, they don't believe in them because to them they're still trying to sell movies to neckbeard dudes. They think that's the audience. They're they're trying to keep those dudes happy, right? And they've been doing that for so long. They they, they got the fact that they got Captain Marvel out. And it made a shit ton of money. And they got Black Panther out, and it made a shit ton of money. And your phase four is not about those two characters. It should revolve around those two characters, right? Going forward, that's who your universe ought to revolve around. And you're talking about TV shows. 
tells me that you don't believe this is the way you ought to be doing it, and you, the audience has told you you should, right? right? You believe that you've hit a peak, that you are now going into a valley that you created, right? And you're going to ride this out and just kind of see what happens, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, look, we have these other products we're doing here. We got Master of Kung Fu. And look, we have the Eternals. Aren't they important? Oh, you're another Thor. Look at that. Fat Thor and whatever the shit he's going to be doing, right? Like, look, man, I'm just saying that billions of dollars tells you that the characters that your current generation of fans and future generation of fans will actually gravitate towards mm -hmm. are Black Widow and Captain Marvel. I mean, well, Black Panther and Captain Marvel, right? Yes. Had you dropped this, for what I'm seeing, you have your your your, your Afrofuturism space, you got your, your woman power cosmic shit, and you have your espionage grounded shit, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Everything revolves around that for three or four movies, five years, or whatever the hell, because the product was good enough after Winter Soldier, the product was good enough after Black Panther, the product was good enough after Captain Marvel, you were healthy as shit. Right? That's what you should have done. But, but no, we're going to get a Black Widow movie for a character that you let get chucked off a mountain or chuck herself off a fucking mountain to say fucking Hawkeye. Right? So to me, you fuck both characters. Right? You did that. And here we go. We're going to get real excited. Disney Plus, we're going to, next summer, some people ought to be buying you and paying for you. I guess. I suppose. I'm jaded about this. Yes. Because I just think this is like now we're asking the question, do we need a Black Widow movie, when literally you couldn't have gotten the end game without Black Widow. Right? Thanos wins without Black Widow. And now you give her a movie? I kind of feel like, nah, but the, the way that your script told you, you did this too damn late. I also disagree with killing two female fuck. You fridge two female characters, like in two consecutive movies the exact same damn way. That's lazy as fuck too. But I said that last year, so I'm going to let that go. Move on. Yes, need a Black Widow movie, because I need two Black Widows, the Soviet Super Soldiers, the Red Guardian, Taskmaster. I need a dude turning into a bear, and then a cat with a, pulling an old hammer and sickle out of like a rusty-ass trunk because the Soviet Union is dead, but it's how he focuses powers. Yes! Need that shit. 80s Marvel Comics. You can Google the Soviet Super Soldiers. I'm, I'm kind of hip to it. I'm kind of hip to it. Do that shit. But on the other side, on DC, oh god, we have a female-led movie. Yes. Do we need that? <sighs> I, it's the the Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey thing, and and I need a Birds of Prey movie absolutely. I don't need everything to run through Harley Quinn. I think is my problem, right? Valid. I, for as popular as Harley Quinn is, I find that in the trailers I'm watching, the only thing I can identify in this trailer is that Harley Quinn is in it. I know who the other characters are, therefore I know they're in the movie, right? But when I envision the Birds of Prey, I envision a team, and everything in this trailer tells me the, the identifiable character is Harley Quinn, everybody else happens to be in the movie, oh, and they're weird too. And that's not the Birds of Prey, so I'm a little concerned about what I'm getting here. Right, but I'm going to still support it yes. because I'm gonna go see this thing, right? Uh, 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 properties like Birds of Prey and Secret Six and like these things that like Gail Simone and Chuck Dixon and these people that they that they made really that they did really well that they put all this work into. The characters are so distinct and work so well together that I think that when you film them, I ought to be able to tell 
okay. that Renee Montoya matters, right? That the Black Canary matters, right? I'd be able to tell this, and it's hard from the trailers I'm seeing. All I'm getting is Harley Quinn lines, right? And the Suicide Squad movie was kind of a jumble, right? Like, I don't, can we not invoke that, I suppose? Yeah. You know? Why, why am I hearing no voices from Huntress and these other characters where I know where they stand and what they're about to get me to show up? If, the only thing getting me to show up is if I'm a Harley Quinn fan, right? Right. In fact, it's Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yes, it is. Like, what? The Birds of Prey and the redemption of Harley T. Quinn. What the fuck ever? Like, it, no, what the fuck is that? Man, no. I, I, really? That's weird. Yeah. You know? I, I just feel like, uh, look, I watched, like, I, I'm a big fan of Sigourney Weaver in the Alien series, right? But, like, if you call the fucking movie, like, you know, that android who survived the movie and this little kid who's really great, and they have a cat. But, and also, we have Helen Ripley. Wait, I, just Aliens works, right? Let me see the people who do the thing, you know? Then I know it's really about the fucking aliens, and this the team that's got to survive the shit. You're right. Let's, let's do that. Call it the birds of prey, and let's go, you know? Harley's in this shit. Birds and then you notice in the trailer, the text is also like, the birds of prey. Harley Quinn. Like, I, I don't want to, nah, I'm out. That's weird. I will see this. I will see it. But I don't like the setup here. I don't like it. Do you think the birds of prey could have stood on their own? Yes. Like, the question is with who? Like, with, with, with fans who want to see a movie involving beloved characters from comic books? Absolutely. Right? With Marvel fans, of course not. Because Marvel fans don't give a fuck. You just put the big old M on the screen and they go see the bullshit, whatever it is. Marvel fans like a whole lot of shitty movies. Right? They just they just do. And honestly, I think that we've gone so long without a Marvel movie that in a weird sort of way, they might be coming down off of that. Like they haven't gotten their fix in a while. Like, you know what I mean? They got the night sweats and shit. Like it might be hard to sell Marvel fans on some Marvel shit now, because you just ain't you ain't kept pumping it in there. Like we, now we have a problem. I'm just saying. You know, but no, I don't. I, I think that that's its problem. Like Marvel fans act like they're the only ones who ever go see fucking movies, right? But they just pay for anything that Marvel Studios does, so that's a thing. But I think it can stand on its own if it's Birds of Prey if you treat the characters with respect and and show them in the best light you possibly can. And these are iconic ass characters. Like Birds of Prey comics, great. You know, none of them, most of the people going to see these movies didn't read these books anyway. So like, show them in a great light to get them into the theater. You can't make it for comic book fans. I always say that. That'd be weird. Don't do that. Don't don't make it for me. Because now you just got to make that religious superhero. But, but you, but you don't want you want Taskmaster. I do want Taskmaster, and I kind of want him to look more like Taskmaster. But I accept that he's Taskmaster. You're because Taskmaster has to be explained anyway. He's going to explain himself. Yeah. Why he's as good as he is. The motorcycle helmet thing, I'm not quite there with, but like, whatever. I'm getting Taskmaster the movie. Like, 15 year old me would have never saw this day coming. Right? So, like, I'm in. Give me Taskmaster. Yes. Give me a villain that is every Marvel superhero you've seen in a movie so far who fights. Give me a dude that's as good as those dudes are. Right? And he's got to be dealt with by Black Widow. Hell yeah. Black Widow has to fight Captain America, Hawkeye, Winter Soldier. Right? Like, She's got to go against these dudes in one human being, right? One human being. And I hope they keep the, I think it's Frank Thierry who, who wrote the, Fred Van Lent. Fred Van Lent wrote the Taskmaster Limited series. It came out a couple years ago where they revealed Taskmaster has a memory problem, right? He kind of, it's like memento. He can't, 
he can't make short-term memory. Okay. So he kind of like, he's off doing his own thing and somebody comes and basically activates him. They go on a mission, but when they deactivate him, he kind of forgets every fucking thing. And like, he just goes about being a more or less regular person, right? And I hope they use something like that for him. Because otherwise, he's the world's best assassin, right? Who's, who, who, as long as he's ever seen anyone do it, he can do it, right? Then why shouldn't he be the best name in assassination you know, right? right? There has to be a way that you haven't heard of this guy, right? How does he stay on the radar all this time? I think activating him and deactivating him, the way the Winter Soldier was makes sense. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's what they do, right? I'll be very happy with that. I'm excited about Taskmaster. I know you were. He just hit the skull mask. George Perez design with the cloak and the, yes. the sword for the swordsman and the Hawkeye bow and arrow. He had a Captain America shield. He Daredevil's like nunchuck thingies or whatever the hell, the billy club thing. Everybody who had a weapon, he had all this shit. You know? He looked awesome. Especially with George Perez drawing. Which is yes. fantastic. I, rem- I remember the skull. Yeah. The skull mask. Skull mask, yes. Now he's got like a, you know, he looks like a like a evil racer from a Speed Racer cartoon. You know, like a Scooby-Doo villain. Kevin's a Scooby-Doo villain. Like a big helmet with like the silhouetted skull in the back. Not quite there. I don't know, I don't, but I'll find out. You're a supporter. Yes, absolutely. Next. Uh, TV. Okay. Uh, TV-wise, I finished The Expanse. I am currently, I'm done with the, I'm, up, I'm current with The Dragon Prince, which it took me a while to get into. But I really like it a lot. Was I really got like watch a few seasons? Like, I watched three seasons, right? Took half a season on Netflix to kind of keep me in. But once I was in, I was in. Really clever writing. But and I think this is a problem with me. I don't I think I'm I'm less enjoying the slow burn to build it up. Yeah. Right? Cause once I then because I, I I watched like five TV shows at one time, right? You need to catch me early, right? But for Dragon Prince, it was kind of like a, from the dudes who did a, a Avatar thing, right? And by the time I got to season three, damn, this, the, 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 the themes they were hitting, right? The, the story beats, they were on it. The character like development, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm watching The Witcher now, which took a while to get me, not because of the slow burn, but because The Witcher, shit happens back in the past, and they just don't tell me it's happening in the past, Right? The Witcher looks exactly the fucking same in each of these scenes. Other characters look different. And that bothers me. Me trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. It takes two to... I ain't got that time, you know? But I'm enjoying it. Um, I finished Lost in Space, which was great. Really into that. The, on Netflix, you haven't done Lost in Space? Do Lost in Space. I think, I think you'll dig it. I think you will. You just not do space shows? Is the show over? Like... Like, you want to watch it when it's done, done. Yes. You, know what you don't want to get to the end of the season and watch another season. And then find out there's more and I got to wait for it. The mm-hmm. only thing you can watch now is Good Times. I'm not doing that. Like you can't wait. What are you talking about? You can't do, really? I can't do episodic stuff. Oh, well, I mean, it's Netflix. It's all, the whole season's out. I mean, yeah, you eat the whole season, yes. But if it, it goes to another story, season, you can't. Okay, all right. I need the story concluded. I need nothing, nothing on my list, I think, is complete. Because even The Expanse is getting another season, thank goodness. The wire in space. That's high praise. Yup. Mm-hmm. It's the wire in space. Do it. By the time you get to the end of season four, season five will be out of your game. Do it, Troy. Nope. No. That's generally what I'm watching. Okay. 
Um, I did net, I did a Netflix run um, uh, uh, this weekend, and I watched the first ten minutes of the Aaron Hernandez story. Oh, that is something you need heavy liquor for. Yeah, I bet. I suspect that might be the case. Jesus H. Christ! It was just it, it was astounding. I overheard people talking about it here in the at the shop. And what I was hearing was effectively kind of like every weird triggering sort of toxic sports masculinity thing yes. was happening in this dude's life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, if you just get get people therapy so they can understand what the fuck is going on in their own damn lives and don't let them get that far, so far to where they're mad successful and because they're so successful, they should have no problems. They got all the same damn problems, Right. It, it is, like, we can say everything, everybody failed, and we can say, right. and it doesn't make him out to be a total sympathetic character, because he did kill him on the legs. Sure. Um, but they interview the commissioner in NFL, who was just like, yeah, whatever. The league is great, though. Right, league's great. They interview. We gave to do brain damage, we but league's great. We interview his teammates, and the wisdom of having Gronkowski Going, next question. <laughs> is amazing. God. So I turned from that and we watched Hip Hop Chronicles. Hip Hop Chronicles is narrated and hosted by this dude who's apparently a failed Canadian rapper. And he sits there and he looks concerned. He does a lot of walking okay. to meet the people. And it's basically history of hip hop from the beginning. So... Is it as good as that, that situation that Ice-T was narrating? Oh, the, uh, that was, what, Rap Life? When he, he like, found Busy B somewhere? Uh, history, history of Rap? I think so, History of Rap. That was phenomenal. That was good. That was really is good. Is that good? It is pretty okay. Okay. There was some stuff I did not know. Okay. They're, they're in season four. There's four episodes to a season. And but you're they, watching it, and it's not over. There's more seasons. I'm living hip-hop. <laughs> I'm living hip hop, real hip hop. Okay, okay. <laughs> but it is it's he. So he finds these people, you know. He still finds the the, but he is actually giving props and notoriety to certain like. There's a thing about Atlanta, yeah, and we know it's going to end with Outkast and that kind of thing. Sure. But we we actually meet the people who started Atlanta rap. Okay. Who were before that. Like, you know, there was a dude who was like, he's like an old dude. And he was, he's a pastor, but he had a record and he had a record and tapes shot or something. Okay. Got it. And so he would hire people to be on the mixes produced at his record, at his tape shop. And if you did so, you were on his team. It was the, it was the, the J team. Cause he was like, and he had his whole thing. And this is like Atlanta, right? Then we go to New Orleans, where we know we're going to end up with cash money and no limit. But yeah. here's a history of here's what, what is, got us there. What is New Orleans music? So you have current New Orleans artists telling you, "This is ah. this is the beat. This is," and it was all traced back to a one song that had a particular beat, a particular break, percussion breakdown. And there was a dude who lived off that song. They just it's called Trigger Man. The name of the song is not Trigger Man. It's right. something else. But yeah. the dude says Trigger Man in the song. Yeah. But the beat is so 
apparently so local yeah. and has these elements of kind of the, the, the culture. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so for years, you didn't make it big unless you rapped over that beat. Okay. And people you don't know, people who... And it's were, on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It is amazing. That's cool. All right. It is very good. It is. It rivals the Ice T's thing. It does. But one thing about hip hop journalism, one thing about doing these interviews, and this happened a bit for Ice T's thing. But you get certain people in front of the camera and say, "Okay, you did this thing," and uh, yeah, I did that thing. Yeah. Hip hop, just like any other music genre, or whatever, has its share of ego. And so you got people, yeah, I did this. I found this person. I did this thing. And it's all eye-rolling. Yeah. But the, the weird thing was, so they get to, they get to the New York, the, the late game New York okay. thing. So they're talking about Biggie. Puffy is all up in your shit. <laughs> God, no. Puffy is all in your shit. And Damn Puffy it. is telling you. I'm yeah. wondering, I need Biggie, but I just after, need no Puffy. All after right. he died, so after he died, he did it missing you, right? So Puffy got to tell you that that song saved my life. The 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 I'll be missing you. Yeah. The police, the original police joint. Yeah. That saved my life. It was talking to me, so I had to take it and rework it, and sold six million singles. <laughs> And you sitting there rolling your eyes like, fuck you, Puffy. <laughs> the police saved my life. I'm the making police said, right. That I could just hit record. That I hit record. I put like an extra drum beat on. I put, I brought Faith in. We're frolicking in a meadow. And I sold six million. So he. I did you right, Puffy. I did you right, Biggie. I did you right. That's his thing. Like, I had to do this for my man. Really? Okay. Really? Okay. But like it's a it's a lot of ego and it's a lot of that. It's very interesting though, um, especially for the regional stuff. Um, they say Atlanta, New Orleans. Um, they do a thing of a tale two coasts. Yeah. About the Biggie Pock thing. Um, it's very it's 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 uneven because of the fact that while the dude is getting these people, if you know his backstory and the fact that. If he's he's interviewing somebody and they'll flash to him, right? He's looking real attentive, like ooh. Like then you look up his bio and find out he's like a wannabe rapper. Yeah. Canadian. Yeah. And he spends most of his time he's narrating while he's walking. So like I'm walking through the projects, through Queensbridge with okay. my hoodie up. Okay. But he's hard. He's something. It's very, it's very weird. But the whole thing, we watched like five or six episodes. is very well done. Um, a lot of stuff you didn't know. Um, a lot of involvement from a lot of different people. Um, really, like I said, it, it's ego. And for the most part, you get, you get through it rather than, than you hit Puffy. You're just like, I just fast forward. Now we're done. And we're pretty much done. In the music vein... There are three things now that we've hit 2020, and, and this is the, the, the turning of the new year always is kind of weird for me because there's things where I want to say, in 2020 or in the new year, I'm listening to this. And then I realized some of these albums might have come out in 2019, but it might have come towards the end of it, right? So 
there's three things that are pretty much on repeat for me, and they are similar yet entirely different types of music um, that I'm listening to a lot right now. Uh, one is an album by a dude named Richard Henschel, H-E-N-S-H-A-L-L. Um, it's an album called The Cocoon. Richard Henschel is one of the two guitar players for the band Haken, uh, one of my favorite bands. He's done he, like late last year. He did a solo album, which is kind of like a, a, a metamorphosis tale. It is about the pupua and the cocoon and you know silken threads and all this kind of situation, right? But most of it, um, it is Richard Henschel's ability to play the guitar. Uh, it is progressive metal. There are some instrumental spots. Um, there's a lot of like uh, uh, there's vocal. His ability to play piano. The if you are a fan of prog metal and like that that gent scene by gent is D J E N T. If this is your situation, Richard Hintrell's solo album is phenomenal, right? And it took me a while only because I started with a YouTube video I came across that was um, it was for the song Twisted Shadows, which was. Uh, Richard Henschel, but the the guitar, the the keyboard solo parts played by Jordan Rudis of Dream Theater, and the vocal for the song is um, Ross Jennings, who is the singer for uh, for Haken, and it's such a beautiful piece of music that I, after hearing it and and watching the video for it, when I would listen to other parts of the album, I'd be like, wait, it's not like that other thing. It had to grow on me. It, the album holds together really well. Um, if you're a fan of like eight, nine, twelve minute long songs that are virtuoso guitar playing and piano playing and killer crunch, this is your shit, right? You can, if you're a Haken fan, you can tell why, you can tell exactly what parts of Haken's music Richard Henschel writes. Like, you can you can hear it in there. Um, Troy's not yet, but I'm going to make him a fan because I know exactly what concert to make Troy go to. Because um, <laughs> Haken's coming to Chicago in March. <laughs> They're opening for the De they're opening for Devin Townsend, and I'm not a huge fan of Devin Townsend. I'm a big fan of Haken though, and I might even see just a little bit of Devin Townsend and bounce because Troy won't be able to last. Like he won't. I already know. I can see him. I can envision him right now. Well, leaving. You, you just told me. Yeah, that, we're going. Look, no, no, you, you just told you just told me you're gonna love this. Haken, you're gonna love Haken. Contrarian, yes, no, no, Haken. You, mm. I love Haken, and I'm. A, you're coming to Haken with me, but I understand if Devin Townsend's bridge too far. They they got they got food and drink somewhere in the neighborhood. I'm okay with that, right? I need you to see Haken, right? All right. The next band that has released something recently is Sons of Apollo. Uh, Sons of Apollo is two former members of Dream Theater: Mike Portnoy, the drummer, and Derek Sherini, who was a keyboard player way back when. It is uh, Ron Thal, who was a guitar player for Guns N' Roses. Billy Sheehan has played with everybody, from David Lee Roth to like various bands that have had like. You know, Mike Portnoy in them. And their singer is Jeff Scott Soto, who sang for everyone, including Ingve Malmsteen and his own solo work. They are basically what Dream Theater would be if Dream Theater's focus was less sounding like, maybe less less being inspired by Rush and Iron Maiden and more inspired by Deep Purple and something bluesier, right? And they're phenomenal prog metal musicians, and they their second album which is called 2020, is it's better than their first album was, and their first album was pretty good, right? I like it a lot. Um, what I think really hooked me into wanting to hear more of this album was watching YouTube videos of the writing process, where it's just Ron Thal, Mike Portnoy, and Derek Sherinian in Portnoy's house, and there's a wall, 
and Portnoy has put up chords that he wants to put together, and he's playing drums while calling out the chord changes, right? And they're just working through different ideas, calling out the chord changes for the verse, calling out the chord changes for the bridge, calling out the chord changes for the chorus, and I was so impressed by how they put that together, the three of them working on musical ideas and then taking it, you know, pulling in Jeff Scott Soto or pulling in Billy Sheehan later. That was really cool. And then a musical departure is Leprous has a new band called, a new album called Pitfalls, um, which is, they're kind of a Scandinavian, like kind of a death metal, prog metal thing. But this album is not that. It is a lot of straight up kind of dark electronic music in a way, for the first half of the album, and then the crunchy shit comes in later, right? It is like, you are, you can, there's, Ina Solberg is their singer, and I think this dude's just sitting in a room in his house with like a four-track recorder and a keyboard, and he's just reliving some past issues, right? <laughs> for about five songs, and then he calls a drummer later, and he's like, hey, so I did this shit with a drum machine, don't worry about that, that's gonna get recorded, that's on the album, but hey, Bart Colstad, you, now you can play on the rest of the album. Like, it's different than their other albums are, and it's really growing on me, and I'm liking it. I wanted more of what they did on their previous albums called, uh, uh, I think it's Millennia. I, I like that uh, that album. I loved it, but that was like two years ago. And this isn't like that at all. This is more of their moody shit, which for people who need to see the sun, this ain't for you. <laughs> this is why you need to see the sun because he's from a place where they don't have the sun right i think this is what's happening here right and it's such a great album that i think it just uh, a lot of times with me and new albums there i'm not ready for it because i'm in the place of whatever albums i'm listening to right, right. drop a new thing on me i got to come around to it right and those are the three things that i'm really digging and otherwise in music and i think we may have to mention anyways a couple weeks ago we lost neil Peart the drummer for the band Rush, who is the greatest rock drummer of our generation, right? Which just yesterday we found out we also lost Kobe Bryant, right? Which is like one of the best basketball players, one of the best athletes of our generation. And we're dealing with two people who, the way they approach their craft, from just the craft standpoint, was an obsessive level of detail, an obsessive level of training and creativity in order to get to a place that people didn't know you could go to. And that's the way I view Neil Peart, right, as a drummer. He obsessed not about being the best prog rock drummer, but about being able to play rhythmically through an idea, right, and about being able to write lyrics about things that people just weren't doing in pop music or in, in rock music at all. He had an idea to express, and his mission was to be able to express that thing regardless of whether or not people would like it. Right, which I find for an artist is a hugely lofty goal, Huge. and 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 for someone who could do that for fifty years of their life, hmm. like is phenomenal. To never give a shit <laughs> if it is liked, right? But to do it because you know it must be done, is to me how everyone should live, right? Do what you got to do, whether or not anyone else gives a fuck about it, right? People will find it, right? People will find it. Like, like it's success is a different issue. Right, but Rush's fan base found it, right, and stuck with it. And all Rush ain't the same Rush, you know. Rush in the early days ain't the same as Rush in the '80s, ain't the same as Rush in the '90s, ain't the same as Rush was in the 2000s, right? The band evolved, even though it was just three dudes. Same writing process, mm -hmm. right? Technology changed, their lives changed, their perspectives changed, 
But that dude is a drummer. The things he was able to pull out, like when I, I watched him live, and I was just amazed at both how fluid he was, how laid back he was, and how when it needed to be, how intricate it got. You know, he's famous for having like massive ass drum sets, right? But when you break his drum sets down, he had three or four drum sets that were just regular drum sets next to each other, right? For the parts of the songs that had to be played, he would just switch over to this next section for the next five songs they have to do. That, that's a very creative way to approach the music. I know for Tom Sawyer and YYZ and Red Barchetta, I need these drums. But I also know that for Presto or for Chain Lightning or for like Bulb, I need only these drums. So let's just rotate the drum set to get me what I need. Like creative solution for a genius drummer and percussionist. Love that guy. I listen to Rush for like fucking three weeks straight, but two weeks straight after that. Like, I just, I can't. I just gotta be all like, yeah. Sorry, Spotify, give me more of that Rush shit. Because goddamn it, it's fucking brilliant. You know? Before you ask, my favorite Rush album is Grace Under Pressure, which is nobody's favorite Rush album, which tells me he did it right. I gotta be the only person who would name Grace Under Pressure. Or you're just like Trevor. Mm, oh, yeah. But also, yes, my favorite Rush album. Still. There we go. That's my music shit. You got anything else? No, I think that was it. I don't think we had anything else. I think we just... Shout out to Kobe, especially because Arian's probably listening. I know Arian might... He might be hiding in the basement. No. Sure? No. Um, our group took it, you know, it was sad. It was more of a, you know, the whole kid So holy dying. shit. The whole kid dying thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? That was... That Daddy was, knew it first. Right. Yeah. You know, and the whole... What are... As journalists, what are your... What's your obligation? Is to get it out first or get it out right? Get it out right. That's it's the, a death. That's the theory. Gotta get it out right. That's the theory. If, if you're if you're a journalist of, of <laughs> if you're an ethical journalist, you do it right. It is multiple confirmations and you wait until the family's been notified. Because there's no in this day and age, there's no real benefit to you being first on a celebrity death. You know what I mean? Like people are gonna be reading about this for a week, right? You may have an editor who's like, I want to be first. But in the end, we're not selling. Papers don't sell. Yeah. Right? Clicks and views matter. Those clicks and views are still coming. Right? So as news gets out and people want, you write a better story and you get the shit right, you're going to get the clicks and you're going to get the views. Right? Being first mattered if we're selling a physical thing that has to hit a street somewhere. Right? Since that's not the issue, it's going to hit a phone, man. Right? How the hell should the family of Kobe Bryant, the family of Neil Peart, or anyone's family find out their loved one has died in an accident or from cancer or whatever, because some jackass from TMZ is like, ha, I, did, I saw a thing, found a thing, I got a guy who works at an airstrip to tell me a thing, this thing happened, I'm first. Hey, man, what, really? That's bullshit, that shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen, does. Does happen. Which yes, yes, does happen. Yeah. Does, but shouldn't Because that is some journalists are fucking bulgers and they don't give a fuck about people. And if you care about people, I think you do it right. The right way is, Tell the story the proper way, you know, and, and just let that be how it's done, right? And you'll, in fact, I, I believe you'll gain more fans that way anyway. It's my belief. And this is for me now rubbing elbows with journalists these days. Like, I literally cannot avoid this, right? I, spend, I end up spending time with journalists more than I ever thought I would these days, right? In the last 10 years of my life and especially the last four, right? Know some journalists. And there's a way you just do things. But these guys ain't working for TMZ, right? Or like, you know, coffin report. It's ain't their job. That ain't their thing. 
Somebody at Coffin Report, he got to get the fucking job. He got to get the story out there first, even if the details are fucking wrong, right? But people who are career journalists who know what the fuck they're doing, that ain't what you do. You know? That's a thought. Yeah. Somebody might disagree with me. They're wrong. That's all. Yeah. Troy agrees with me, y'all. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Just I've also been around a lot of journalists. Yeah. Try to get that paper. Because well, early on, that's exactly how you do it, right? Like that's it. You you got to be first with the thing. Hate clicks. Yeah. And sure. What is this? Clicks are the same as far as clicks. Are Absolutely the same. Hey, Absolutely you know, you you wrote this really shitty New York Times opinion. Yep. But guess what? Engagement. Yep. They're in there. But absolutely. I, I literally said that Jews, <laughs> like old boy, wrote a thing about how about how some Jews were smarter than other Jews, and it made the New York Times opinion page. And everyone I went, missed this. Oh, I'm glad I missed this. Yeah, you should be. And it was like around Hanukkah, which made it got a clear trash. Up, okay, more fucked up. And people would, why are you, what is this? But because New York Times published it. Yeah. And New York Times went, how many clicks? Yeah. Never mind people telling you, hey, you anti-Semitic bastard. You yeah. Shut the fuck up. Um, this is no place. We're in back to measuring the skull sizes. Right. Now we're back to eugenics. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know, phrenology. Um, but we're doing all this. Why, why you doing But it got clicks. And that was their entire justification. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Trash. People trash. Um, you know what's not trash? Stakes is I. The Black Nerd Podcast. This has been episode 33. Are we sure it's 33? Yes. All right. Yeah. I always have to ask. We're, we're certainly sure. We're pretty right. sure. Uh, yes, this has been 33. Um, first of 2020. Um, we have been uh, we have been we have been challenged. It's true. The we, challenges happen. This is gonna happen. That's fine. That's fine. It's gonna happen. Um, we have we have. My wife is thrilled. We've been challenged because now she doesn't have to go see this concert. I'm gonna make you go see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, my wife's whole thing is: Are there chairs? This is also my wife's thing. Which in Chicago, this is hard to do. This is very hard to do. This is difficult. The, no, Besides there probably aren't chairs. West, no. <laughs> oh man, we'll, we'll talk about the my experience of. Going through trying to get chairs at the fucking House of Blues, and what House of Blues tried to charge me for a chair? Did we talk uh, about this? That can be done, but yes. Oh my God! Okay, yeah. <laughs> this has been Stakes Hot, ladies and gentlemen. It's been episode thirty-three. Thank you for listening. Thank Appreciate you for rocking. Um, I would say thank you for the people who watched Facebook Live, but, but you had to uh, watch five different episodes. <laughs> so sorry about that. That was just a, I. I would blame Wi-Fi. I guess I, I got nothing. Um, but yeah, I am Troy Hunter at Tall Black Guy on the social medias and the Twitters and all that. Han Yolo. I'm your boy Terry Gant, aka Doc Midnight on Twitter, aka Dread October everywhere else, like on pirate islands and volcanoes that shape like skulls. That's where I'm going to be Dread October. I decided when I start my new career as a custom motorcycle builder. Like this is oh, we haven't talked about this. I oh, we talked the show. Well, I'm. Okay, we'll talk about this. Oh, my yeah. midlife crisis, because this is going to be my midlife crisis with my daughter motorcycle. And I'm going to be a dread, dread October. It's going to be dread October motorcycle. I got a whole plan. Okay. Well, I've only been thinking about this for like a day, but I got a plan. Yeah.
Thank, Thank you, you for listening. And we will highlight y'all later.